So, welcome everybody, and welcome to Klaus Miller, uh, um, who's at the Faculty of Economics and Business Administration at Goethe University. Uh, Klaus is a business academic and has been for many years, much of it in Switzerland. But he spent a few years, and in fact, when we, when we met earlier this year, he was head of business intelligence and an analytics at uh, the Rangier Group, in the press group in, in Zurich. They tell you more about who they are than I am, but my sense is they, they, they do a lot of magazines and a tabloid newspaper in Switzerland, and they own other things. And, and there, he was presenting at a big data conference, and he spoke to a business-focused audience on how big data can drive content engagement and revenues. Today, you'll see that his title is a bit more focused on journalism and the interest of most of the people in this room uh, on can data save journalism. I think my understanding is that Klaus is probably going to talk more... You know, when people talk about data and journalism, they're talking normally about two different things. One is how newsrooms use data to understand their audiences. The other one, occasionally, is how journalists can use data to tell better stories. I think Klaus is talking about the first of those not the second one. He's not talking about data journalism. He's talking about data and its use by news organizations to understand their audiences. So normal, normal rhythm, so the class will present for about 35 minutes and then we'll move on to um, about 50 minutes or so of discussion and finish by 3.30. So welcome class, thanks for coming and over to you. Thank you very much, David, for the introduction and uh, for the invitation here to uh, the Reuters Institute. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. I'm also happy, ladies and gentlemen, that you came to my seminar talk. And uh, I will be talking today on the topic of can data save journalism and how analytics will change the newsroom um, and beyond. And I will try to share some of my experiences uh, as an academic. Um, I rejoined. Uh, Goethe University just this fall and I'm mainly working on um, media topics, uh, paid content for example, personalization or other topics but always from a business perspective obviously. Um, I used to be a journalist too, I worked uh, for six years in radio journalism, I wrote for newspapers and I also did a little bit of uh, TV uh, broadcasting in Germany uh, and uh, the last five years I spent as a head of analytics for the Ringier Group uh, in Zurich so if you're interested uh, I can share also some experiences maybe later on and um, today it's basically about uh, shifting perspective a little bit I was thinking about like how um, newsrooms make their decisions like uh, a lot of decisions in the newsroom you have uh, experienced editors you have uh, long-term experience in the news media are made um, out of gut feeling they are made uh, out of, of those experiences they're not necessarily bad experience uh, decisions but uh, I would say in today's environment um, where everything is going faster things are becoming more complex um, and especially you have a lot of data available, um, you can also use uh, these data to better inform those decisions and that's basically the, ma the main idea uh, of the first part of the talk, like why we should inform our decisions in the newsroom better using data and the second part will be more about showing practical examples also from my personal experience of what we did at Ringier, how we use data to improve um, our editorial decisions. So um, just uh, in the beginning, a few trends in, in the media landscape, you're probably already aware. Uh, on this, uh, this is a chart from the Newspaper Association of America. 
and it basically illustrates that news media um, not only in America are under pressure. If you look to the good years, uh, for example 2005, 2006, uh, all the newspapers uh, in America they had a revenue um, circulation, an ad revenue of around 50 billion US dollars and this was um, considerably decreased, uh, unfortunately, we have to say, uh, in the last few years. And um, today, 2014, uh, the number is around 20 billion. So it's, it's a loss of almost uh, 30 billion, 60%. And this um, not only influences the business side uh, of the media business, but obviously also influences our uh, editorial decision-making because um, uh, costs are cut, the staff is cut down, um, and so forth. So this um, is basically the basis for the decision environment that you're making your decisions in. Um, another aspect is that um, the user view. Um, the users um, or the reader, um, they're having more and more connected uh, devices. Um, everybody has a smartphone, you have a computer, maybe you have two smartphones. Uh, Gartner says um, there will be around 4.9 billion connected devices in 2015 and the number is still growing. And if you think about this from a data perspective, all those devices generate a lot of data. You, tr um, you try to track those users um, using news media. What are they consuming? When are they consuming? Uh, how do those devices um, companion them during the day, for example, things like that. And this um, is also a great challenge, actually, for newsrooms, because um, newsrooms, this is the newsroom uh, from uh, Ringier in Zurich, um, they're always, they're, they have to be always on. You have to serve um, the readers 24 hours, seven days a week. You have to serve them um, on different devices. It's not just um, a newspaper. It's not just a website, but it's also on the mobile website. So. This um, increases the complexity also of newsroom decisions. And um, both actually users having more devices and newsrooms trying to meet those needs um, of the users generates a whole lot of data. And I tried to visualize this um, on this chart. Uh, it's a quite interesting um, website, the internet in real time. So it's just uh, to give you an impression what's actually happening now. So I skipped forward on this page. We are on this, this page. Is this live or is this a recording? I recorded this, but okay. you can act because I didn't know if I have internet sure, access sure. here or if it's working. But basically, you can visit this website and it will start at zero. And it counts up. And I did it for like two minutes and shows we are on the website now for 65 seconds and it's already a petabyte of uh, data generated on the internet. Which and site is this? Um, I can give you, okay. I can share the link. Okay, thank you. And uh, basically you see what's going on there. So it's uh, Twitter, accounts are created, people are tweeting, people are buying things at Amazon, um, people are sending WhatsApp uh, messages, uh, they are viewing <laughs> Netflix, they use uh, Snapchat. So basically it's the whole internet uh, that is actually visualized there. And this gives you a little bit an impression of how much data there actually is accumulated and how this um, changes also uh, the jobs of, of editors because um, obviously um, you need some people who can actually deal with those data, you need people who can do the analysis, um, you have to deal with the sheer mass of data 
And you can use this to generate stories. You can use this to uh, reach your users in a new way. For example, there are a lot of people in Switzerland uh, using Snapchat. And this is a totally different group uh, of users from the traditional groups of, of, of Bingy, for example. So um, uh, you tap into totally new segments and um, it, it becomes more and more um, relevant. And uh, if you look at the data, actually, um, what uh, we can see uh, that this trend is uh, growing exponentially. So um, we have um, on the left side the global data storage costs. They are going down. So since um, 1992, we, one gigabyte to store one gigabyte, it was like um, almost 600 US dollars. And today, or 2012, it was only two cents. And this is even more declining. And this shows where the direction is going, right? Um, people are generating more data, data storage is getting less and less expensive. And um, this will continue to grow in the future. As you can also see on the right-hand side, um, where we have some projections for 2016, and there we are already looking at 13 zettabytes, which are one zettabyte is one million petabytes, and one petabyte is one million gigabytes. So maybe you can do the math. Just. <laughs> but it's a, it's a large number. It's a quite a large number, yes. Okay. Yeah. And this is um, basically the decision uh, environment you're operating in. You have, um, you're on 24 hours, seven days a week. You have uh, more devices to serve. And you have tons of data to look at. And the question is, if the humans are actually the right people um, to look at these data. Because... Um, if you consider that the data is growing exponentially, um, the human brain in the same time has not advanced in the same way. And uh, the problem is that we are actually quite good in uh, assessing visual information. So the brain fills in the gaps and even with scarce information, we're able to tell um, what we can see. So what do you see here? Animation. And maybe even, yeah, the Dalmatian dog, right? Yeah. And what else? Tree. Yeah, there's tree. a tree. Sidewalk. Yeah. And then maybe the dog is sniffing or eating yeah. something. So basically your brain fills the gaps, right? You have scarce information and the brain is really good in processing this visual information. This is what we're made of. Um, let's have a look at very precise um, <laughs> data set. This is actually a data set of, the, of a social network. So this is something we, we do daily. It's a social network in Switzerland um, um, we, uh, we are working with, and it's basically a social network for surfers. So you see all the people who are on this network, their username, their age, sex, country, two is Switzerland, I think, and what type of sports they are interested in, for example. Um, the problem is, uh, this is very precise information, but we don't know what the big picture is, right? If we go back to the dog, it's very easy to get the big picture. But um, here, we can't uh, really assess very well um, what the story is in there. And it could potentially be a story in there. And uh, so we need, we need analytics and we need um, computers and we need specialists to be able to analyze that data and then we may be able to tell a story and this is maybe a story about a social network and this is how this can be vis visualized. It's a person, Carrie Brown, and you can actually see that uh, 
I think she is connected to different groups. You can see that the people are interconnected to each other. Uh, some groups are bigger and smaller. Maybe it's family, it's friends, it's uh, business contacts and so forth. And you can start making inferences about this data. But if you uh, go back uh, to this data set, we, we are not really good in processing these data. And this is um, actually why I would say that we uh, we need the help of computers and uh, also the, the people who can uh, do uh, these analysis to really being able to tell those stories and to make use of all this data that we are accumulating uh, on the internet. Um, another trend is actually that everything is going faster and faster. So, um, yeah, that, that's the same story, right? We have, we are interconnected, we, have, we are on all the time and we have to make uh, quick decisions. Actually, editors, they have to make uh, hundreds of decisions per day. This is the New York Times, I think, after they won the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. It's four. It's a few people who are no longer there, mm -hmm. don't you? And um, <laughs> <laughs> the question is um, that I was thinking, thinking about, like, how do we make those des decisions that you have to make in this decision environment? And uh, typically, what we do is we follow uh, an experience-based uh, editorial approach. So we would say we have very experienced editors who are in the business for a long time and they have a gut feeling or they have a lot of experience what is the right decision or what is a wrong decision. Um, and this works really well if you're operating in a stable environment. So if you can use the past to forecast the future, then it's a good idea to do um, to rely on your gut feeling or your past experiences because then the past will be a good predictor uh, of the future. But in today's um, very dynamic, complex environment, the question is, is this enough? And um, I would advocate that, um, or some people would advocate that we should use uh, a rather data-driven uh, approach um, to decision-making. And some newsroom, they, they actually automate a lot of decisions and just let the data speak. Um, and uh, the question would be, is this the right solution uh, to the problem, that you just rely on a data-based approach? Uh, or is there maybe a problem of, um, of data overload? And the thing is, if you look at the next picture, it's actually the case that <laughs> having a lot of data doesn't necessarily mean that you make the right decisions or that you generate any insights at all because first of all maybe you have a lot of wrong data so it's 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 having the right data and even have, if you have the right data you have to find it you have to process it and you have to draw the correct inferences from these data so um, just having a lot of data doesn't mean necessarily that you make uh, better decisions and another aspect related to that is actually the question like how far do you want to go? Like, um, do you want the crowd to make editorial decisions, or should it be the, rather the journalist uh, making those decisions, or should it be somewhere in between? But maybe wisdom of the crowds could also be madness of the mob, <laughs> and um, I think there should probably be the right balance between listening to the crowd, what are the needs uh, or interests of the crowd, but maybe also uh, having our own approach as journalists uh, and giving our own view um, of a specific topic. So the idea would be 
uh, to find the right balance between an experience-based decision-making approach in newsrooms and also ha using the data that is available to, to make those decisions. And um, I think it can be very useful if you, if you combine those two approaches because um, humans, they are usually um, very creative decision-makers but often inconsistent decision-makers and computers, they are usually very consistent decision makers. So if you combine the two views, uh, experienced editors and data and decision models, we have at least the possibility of arriving at better decisions. And uh, I put this also a little bit more formally, how you can uh, think about this approach. Basically, you have a newsroom environment uh, where you pick up all your data, you store that data, but having that data doesn't necessarily mean that you already have some insights from this data. So maybe you track a lot of usage data on your websites, but tracking individual users will not do, it's not information, you can't draw any inferences from that. So what you have to do is actually you have to summarize that data, maybe have some segments and then see how these user segments are operating. And then you want to draw some insights from those users. You want to say, why are they visiting our page? Why do they prefer the sports section over the international section? Maybe we should move the international section to a higher level on the website, things like that. And this then leads into decisions. And then the whole process starts again. You generate new data, which again can inform uh, your decision making uh, in the future. So the idea is data for itself is no good. Data has value if we use it in the right way. And I want to show now some, some applications where you can actually use um, <coughs> data or where we use data at, at Ringy before. And there are a couple of areas I, I would like to introduce you to um, where we used um, the data that was available to us. So um, the first area would be real-time dashboards. That's um, an area that most... Um, news media uh, entered now. So we used, for example, Chartbeat, a third-party tool to visualize uh, things that are going on on our website. So we would see uh, what users are currently doing, where are they clicking, and things like that. And we used that information uh, to improve the site management, for example. And Chartbeat, you can not just see where they're clicking, but also how far down an article they're reading? Yes, it's yeah. also, it's, you see how uh, you can analyze that scrolling behavior, for example. Yeah. You have heat maps, like where, where the most clicking activity is, for example. And this is, for example, also used by the New York Times and other uh, bigger news media. We also had our own tool to do the site <coughs> management. It's called Live Monitor. I put a screenshot of it uh, on the bottom. Basically, you see the top stories um, on the homepage, and we could see how this is shared on social media, how many people are clicking on it, and the uh, site manager was using this information then uh, to manage the website, like which article should stay on top, which article should be shared on social media, which article should be taken down, things like that. So very practical day-to-day -day decisions in, in the operative business. Uh, operations uh, there we use uh, these data and an is interesting um, extension of this uh, approach is actually one from the Onet group in Poland um, I don't know if you're familiar with them uh, they are uh, relying heavily on a data-driven newsroom approach and they have a tool it's called go green 
And basically the idea is that they defined goals for every section of the website. And um, they want to be in the green area, obviously. So the site manager or the section chief would be looking at this dashboard. And after some time, they would basically learn or get some experience um, what the reasons are for these numbers. So why are we in the red? And then the responsible editor would know what to do. And so they were able to get a quick overview. What is going on? Am I green? Am I red? If I'm red, I have to do one, two, three. After like a half a year or a year, you know what you have to do. And then this is how they were basically optimizing their website. Um, based on the assumption that a lot of traffic was their goal, basically. So they were looking for to, to generate a high-level, high-volume website, and they were using... And, and everything tool. here that's green is over 100. Is 100 the it's kind of baseline? Indexed. It's indexed. Yeah. So they're trying to get above an index of 100, which is based on previous experience. Prior experience, and yeah. also discussions within the departments, basically, like what goal is realistic in this year or this month, Okay. Uh, things like that. Uh, another uh, interesting idea which we used actually is uh, to identify breaking news is uh, two tools I want to showcase to you. One is uh, a tool for geofencing. Um, it's called Geofedia and basically you can um, use that tool to identify an area on a map. Um, for example, if there's a large public um, occasion going on, a sports event or maybe a uh, we also used it for the street parade, for example, in Zurich. So we actually were able to track the whole course of that street parade. And we were interested in all those social media postings in this area. And this is a really good tool because you can get all this user-generated content in real time from the users concerning that event. So if you're interested in a soccer match, for example, you could tag the stadium and then you receive all the social media content that is generated in that stadium in real time. And then our editors use this information um, to uh, break stories. And I will show you an example how we use this to broadcast about the uh, Olympic Games, the Winter Games in Sochi. And another tool is uh, it's called Data Miner. It's a tool from developed by CNN, I think, and Twitter. And they use this, for example, also to broadcast their stories about the, uh, the issues in Egypt, for example. Um, so they um, were generating a lot of news using that tool um, in Egypt. And uh, how this could work is basically, here's an example from our broadcasting in Sochi. Basically, we generated those stories using those uh, geofencing and Twitter tools and identified interesting pictures and we shared them uh, in, a, in, in a kind of a live diary or a live ticker, we called it. And um, from a performance perspective, um, this article was actually the most read article in 16 out of 16 days. Uh, it outperformed our usual um, best article of the day, which is the star of the day. And uh, we also got some reactions on international news media, for example, um, in Germany. Uh, the public broadcasting uh, station actually picked up this news and was also talking about it. So it was a very um, immediate way of generating news stories based um, on data. And uh, actually our sports editors, they love this uh, Twitter mining. Um, all, almost all the stars they are interested in are on Twitter, so uh, they can directly get information from them 
they got rid of their agency, so they don't use any agencies anymore because they're too slow. <laughs> and the agency would be doing the same thing. They so would change the football, the the the, 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 the sports stars. The, yeah, it's yeah. like the soccer uh, um, yeah. broadcasting team. And it's easy to watch the competition, so if they have a story, we can copy it right away <laughs> or get a different angle on it. And uh, most of all, it's free. And there are actually two examples of uh, these stories who were quite successful. Um, obviously, Blick is a popular newspaper, so there was one story about uh, a naked person uh, on a picture, and the users, they were talking about it. Was this person really naked or not? And there was a big discussion. <laughs> so, pardon? And so? Yes. He was naked? He was naked, yes. <laughs> he was. Okay. And, um, and the story was identified using those tools. Like, uh, the agencies would have never talked about uh, the story, probably, but it was something interesting, light uh, for our users. And the same thing was basically um, about uh, Roger Federer, who posted a picture of him playing tennis somewhere. Um, in Switzerland, but nobody knew where it was, so um, people were speculating where that is, and then um, geofencing basically showed that this was a small tennis court in the Italian-speaking part of Switzerland, and um, probably people also went there, but Roger wasn't there anymore. <laughs> so, But it was a nice story to be um, talking about this, and it's kind of a fun story, obviously, but it shows the potential of um, identifying stories on Twitter, and talking about it very quickly and also letting the users share that, their ideas um, on these stories and um, integrating them. So, so this uh, went quite well. Um, another topic uh, which we investigated was headline and teaser testing, like we did um, A-B testing. So maybe also from your own experience, sometimes you have um, two headlines in mind for the same story but you don't know which one you should choose. And actually now we, uh, we have the tools available to make the test and give half of the, half of the users a version A and half of the uh, users a version B. And then you quickly can find out which picture works better, um, which um, headline uh, works better. And, uh, and then uh, we did that um, actually with a lot of stories and all, overall we were able to increase uh, website traffic by around 20 percent. Just so for people who don't speak German, just which yeah. I don't, just tell us what, roughly what the story is about and what the headline is saying. Yeah, it's about how you become a professional photographer basically. And, um, and the right one was more kind of immediate and it was more like to the point. So, so the right it, one says what? It, uh, this is how uh, you make a successful picture basically. That's the right hand. Yep. That's the right hand's uh, headline. Yes, and the, the left, left one, one is um, this is how you become from an amateur to a professional photographer. So it's a longer, and it's also yeah. it was quite interesting because our editorial team they got fond of this, and they were kind of testing through like a catalog of things they were interested in, like what works better, like is clickbaiting more successful, like upworthy approach, for example. Uh, on social media, or um, or doesn't it work with our users? Because it's always specific to your user base, obviously. Yeah. And uh, they were they really liked this because it was kind of a playful approach to journalism, and uh, they really started to experiment. And it's a, it's a different form, obviously, of journalism, but um, it went quite well. And uh, they use this information now to to 
to target the stories better to our audiences um, at that time. Yeah. All right, uh, maybe another uh, area where uh, this data-driven approach is taken to the next level. There, actually, uh, the computer decides what should be the next uh, article you should be reading. So you can uh, have one website for all users, or you can have a website for every user. So you personalize um, a website to an individual user using their prior um, history. Um, of content consumption. So if somebody is interested very much in sports, for example, they get more sports content. If they are more interested in local news, they get more local content and so forth. So what you're doing is you're generating uh, user profiles, like are they male, female, where do they come from, what are they interested in and so forth, and, um, and give recommendations what should be your next uh, read. Um, and this was also uh, an experiment we were doing, uh, for example, on our front page, uh, on our section page and article pages. Um, the, we're not the only ones doing this. For example, the Neue Zürcher Zeitung in um, Zurich, um, they are also doing this, for example, if you're interested a lot in international section, for example, uh, they would put the international box on the home page more uh, upwards, so you read more of the stories that you're interested in. So they already have like a personalized website depending on your interests and when your interests change uh, then also the web website uh, changes and um, from a research pers perspective what we are um, currently also working on is basically thinking about uh, the next big thing and I think this will be in the direction of predictive analytics which which is basically about not only looking in the past like what have users done in the past and uh, drawing inferences from, from these data, but it's more looking at the past and trying to predict the future. So it's about what will this person be interested in tomorrow? Like what are the stories this person wants to read um, tomorrow and how can I serve um, this need of those persons? Because I have so much individual data available, I can use this data to um, basically calculate um, what these people would be interested in and I can use this information to make editorial decisions to say uh, where do I invest my scarce resources as an editor um, and um, which stories am I going to write and maybe which stories not. Um, and maybe one, even one step further so-called robot, how do you pronounce it? Robot, robot journalism. journalism. Yeah, it's basically big data storytelling. There's a company which is called Narrative Science. Uh, you can Google them. Um, they actually already do this. They do this, for example, for financial information. So they will use the raw data of um, uh, of a stock index uh, movements, and they will write uh, economic articles based on these data or they also do it for sports news for example and they can even consider if you're the home team or or not so they can um, <laughs> add some sentiment in there depending on what is your perspective and uh, they're already doing this and the question would be is is this something that is the future or can it maybe save resources uh, in the future and free resources for, for doing the really big stories and writing about financial news or writing about sports results, maybe robots are doing this. Maybe this would be an interesting point uh, for the discussion also. Yeah. So some takeaways 
Um, I would say um, editorial decision making uh, has, has become more difficult today in this data-rich, complex uh, environment. I would also say that uh, an experience-based editorial approach is not enough anymore. We, there's a lot of data available and analytics can really help us uh, yeah, make, make those decisions uh, and um, assist those decisions, um, especially if we have to make them fast. So I would advocate an approach where we not just rely on those experiences, but use uh, also computer-aided models and tools, analytics tools, um, to translate data um, into decisions and actions at the end of the day. And I think just by thinking about this a little bit more formally, you already add something in your news organization, because it will structure the process a little bit better and uh, it will already improve the quality of decision-making, even though if you're not just or merely relying um, on data. So I will leave you with that. If you have any questions, Thank you very contact much, details. Thank you.